Okay, so hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of Default Global. This is where we connect with global first entrepreneurs and remote work experts from all around the world to share their experiences. Our guest today is James Sullivan, a founder and CEO at 1.7 Technology. James, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So James, before we start, could you could you please briefly introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah, I'm James. I'm the founder and CEO of 1.7 Tech. We're a digital product studio located here in Miami for startups pre-seed to Series A. Um, we work on product strategy, UXOI design, and software engineering um, for different startups. And that sounds good. Uh, sounds cool. So uh, I did some research uh, on on your you know on your biography on your company, and I know that you have um, that you had some previous you know experience working with outsourcing vendors and that led to the failure right right uh yeah. so yeah. uh just just I, I i wanted to start with this one how, how did this experience shape your approach in building one seven technology uh you know kind of to better support startup founders i guess yeah to kind of backtrack a little bit as well i uh i initially dropped out of college to build like an ed tech application and um, to your point, I outsourced overseas because I was not technical at the time and um, wanted to like hire a vendor that could actually help me that was within our budget. I only raised about like 50K in friends and family and worked a few odd jobs to, to piece together uh, some other couple thousand dollars here and there. And uh, the only options were to um, outsource overseas, essentially to hire a U.S. agency in New York where I grew up and then to... Um, hire a technical CTO, but I was too young and like didn't know anybody who was in that position. So um, I chose to outsource overseas and I just had a company that was not equipped to help with some of the project management and essentially get like meet deadlines and uh, scope the project. So um, ended up kind of failing and that led to the creation of 1.7 Tech, which um, was the digital product studio I would have hired at the time. So I started to build who I would have wanted to hire and essentially help me build my first startup. So um, I would say like poor project management um, was probably the, the at the core of it. Like I think it's really important to file, follow an agile process, especially for startups. That means like two week sprints, uh, two week feature releases, if you can get down to that velocity. Um, I think it's really important to have like a solid meeting structure. So you can have like the sprint planning calls on Mondays and then you kind of work for a week and a half-ish. And then on the second Thursday, you have the demos and then you have the retros and uh, you have backlog refinement and all those things. So I think like that's an example of good project management and how um, essentially that keeps both the customers or the startup founders and the team accountable because you don't want scope creep to happen. And that happens a lot with startup founders. And I think it's really important to have good project management manage those startup founders from themselves a little bit, but then also make sure the team is meeting every two weeks to present what they've done and that they're actually held accountable of releasing things uh, at, a, at a pretty regular frequency. Got it. But can we, I guess, can we go a bit deeper? Could you, could you share some insights maybe on the challenges faced by startups when it comes to software development specifically, and maybe particularly uh, in the context of offshoring versus hiring a US-based agency? Yeah, I think for the startup, some of the issues that they run into is they don't do enough planning 
Like, I don't think they spend enough time actually defining what these features are and what they mean. Um, and so I think there's a lot of accountability that needs to happen with the startups and making sure that they're not just like seeing a good idea or hearing one piece of feedback and then they're throwing that into the sprint and derailing the sprint. So I think um, that is uh, like something that startup founders need to spend more time doing, which is like writing down and this is kind of the work of a product owner as well, but like writing down what the feature is and how that benefits the customer in the long run. And then turns that into an Epic and then requirements for the actual uh, dev team or uh, design team to actually implement. And then what's the second part of your question again? Um, uh, I was particularly interested in like a differences between like offshoring uh, and hiring a US based agency. Do you yeah. see any, any differences between those two? Yeah, I, I think, um, I'm a big fan of like onshoring and nearshoring. I think it's really important to keep everyone in a very similar or same time zone. Um, I think, uh, in my opinion, when I outsource, like the time zone was really a big issue. So I'm going to bed, they're waking up and vice versa. And so if you think about it that way, let's say there's a hot fix that needs to happen. I feel like it, it adds an extra three days by being overseas, like at least eight hours overseas, like eight hour difference, um, because you need to identify what that issue is, write the ticket or raise the flag, right? Then you need to probably meet with the business analyst or some type of project manager. And by the time that actually gets added to the dev team, it's, it's three days later because they're just in a whole different, they're, they're a whole day ahead of you. So I think like nearshoring, onshoring uh, is really important if you can't hire uh, and, and like grow your team in-house. Um, but I also think there's a lot of benefits to it as well. Um, you don't have to manage payroll. Um, you don't have to have all the costs associated with that. You can do shorter term contracts. You can do three month contracts with uh, certain individuals if you need a specialist and things like that. Got it. So basically your suggestion is to, to work with, uh, with locations that are like uh, within U.S. time zones. Mostly we're talking about the, the, the Latam region, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's the most beneficial time zone and it helps just with communication. I think in the startup world, communication is the most important. And I don't mean like actually being able to speak. I mean, like just being able to speak in a timely manner and solution in real time. Mm -hmm. Got it. Got it. And and maybe in, in light of the current, um, I would say this economic downturn and this challenges that faced by like a startups, uh, mostly we're talking about tech startups, right? So many are, you know, seeking ways to, to, to cut their costs, right? And um, have you considered outsourcing projects to agencies uh, outside of the S as a, um, as a solution, as a one of the solution to cut their cost? uh or it's not it's not uh, the best way what, what what is your perspective on that yeah i think it's a great time for it we've grown a lot during this time and i think um it's a really good time to outsource some additional work um right now like there's a lot of tech layoffs happening like you said it's kind of an interesting economic time so it's not like the amount of work went down it's just now you have a, a less of a head count to get the work done so i think bringing in specialists um that you can outsource to are really beneficial for some larger tech companies that for the time being, um, and even earlier stage startups. Like I don't, I think everyone was very trigger happy to add a bunch of people to their payroll and not really thinking five, six, eight months down the line, if they really still need that person. Right. 
And so like, I think specialty roles, maybe API integrations, things like that can definitely be outsourced um, where you only need somebody for like a three month contract. Um, and I think it's beneficial to have the right vendor around who can help with that additional overflow work. Um, or if there's hiring gaps, like maybe you don't have designers uh, in-house and your HR team needs to go figure out how to go hire those people, vet those people and bring them on board. Having the right uh, agency around can really help push those projects along. Um, and expanding on, on, on this idea, right? Do you think that um, startups can greatly reduce their expenses uh, by maybe hiring overseas talent directly instead of relying on outsourcing agencies, or or you see some obstacles uh, with with that approach? So basically, what I'm trying to 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 ask uh, currently, we have like all that global hiring infrastructure. We have Deal, we have Oyster, we have yeah. a bunch of other employee of record companies who, who can cover your um, compliance, payroll stuff, right? We have a bunch of those communication tools. Uh, there are some local uh, talent acquisition agencies like GoGlobe, for example, uh, who can help you to, to find guys uh, locally in different countries. And with that, do you still think that uh, working with an outsourcing company um does it does it still make sense uh yes I, i do i think it depends on what the objectives of the company are right so if you don't mind you know like if you want to go hire your own team essentially you need to have the infrastructure set up like you mentioned so you need to be able to manage payroll uh have be okay with the expenses associated with that you also need to have people management and people operations set up um These are people that you need to take care of. They have their own problems. You probably need HR. I need to be able to vet and onboard them. Like you need the infrastructure around it. And a lot of times startups do not have that infrastructure. But if you're willing to put in the work and bring in that infrastructure, I think outsourcing the talent or hiring the talent overseas and then you managing them is a good solution. But And it's a great way to reduce costs, but you need to have the management in place as well. That means the product owner, the project management, like you could have the best engineers in the world in your team, but if there's no structure, it's not going to work out very well. So I think it's really important to uh, be open-minded to the fact uh, of outsourcing and hiring overseas. But at the same time, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it does not make any sense if you're not willing to put in the work of the people operations, manage people, everyone has their own problems. Those problems are now your problems, right? So I think, uh, that's that's important if you don't want to do those things hire an agency right like hire somebody who's going to manage all that and has an infrastructure in the back office for that um but otherwise you're going to need a lot of additional roles to support those hires as well got it got it but uh, can we go to maybe to more tactical practical level so one uh, seven has a highly distributed team right you have teammates in the of course in the us i guess in argentina mexico turkey yeah no yeah we have like we a have bunch of UA engineers in turkey correct okay perfect but turkey is not in the us time zone <laughs> <laughs> no that's true but everyone has to work nine to five right so we actually build the infrastructure that Um, during our hiring process and vetting process, if you are not willing to work nine to five Eastern, uh -huh. then this is not the right fit. So like everyone works Eastern standard time zone. And that's kind of like just a company rule that we set up. Right. Um, and so we created the, 
the structure and the organization to allow for those people to be here, but it took some time. And I think we had uh-huh. to have the right uh, onboarding kind of like rails for those people and also the right communication pipelines um, to be able to work in the different time zone. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Got it. But for, for, for those startups who still want, I guess, to try this, could you share some strategies and maybe best practices for, for those guys who are looking to build this similar globally distributed team? So like, uh you guys have yeah absolutely i think to your point like deal is a great platform we're huge fans of deal we would not be able to do payroll without them i mean they make they do all the compliance in every single country so that's uh one benefit but there's also other ones i think there's um it's like upstart or something like that but there's a bunch of other payroll platforms so finding the right payroll platform is first and foremost Mm -hmm. Um, we also made sure to hire a technical recruiter who could actually um, hire and onboard and vet the talent. And then we have like HR now as well. So we have like a, my executive assistant kind of became like HR and then like chief of staff a little bit as well. So Alexandra is essentially going through doing, uh, quarterly check-ins with everybody, making sure everybody's happy. We have performance reviews. We have, um, like a set of objectives or like career paths that you can hit in order to like level up. So like we had to build that infrastructure and I would suggest people build that out, right? Like you don't want a stagnant career role. You want people to be able to grow within your organization and get promotions and get certifications and you have to describe what that means. So that's like been a lot of work that we've been doing all quarter, which is like setting that up. What are the, these career paths? Then also what's the communication system, right? Like, are we having daily standups? If so, when and how often uh, it's, for us, it's daily, but some people like to skip them. <laughs> and I think that can lead to a communication breakdown. So uh, we set that up. Um, and then we also have a pretty decent vetting process. So we have, um, I would say, like different uh, test cases per role. So that was also really important to make sure we're bringing in quality talent. We're not just like throwing them into the fire and then hoping for the best. Like we are going through three rounds. Uh, there's a test case associated with everything. Um, you meet everybody on the team. The team has to improve, uh, approve the new team member, um, things like that. So uh, those are some some tactics I would set up if I was them. Um, and then also just making sure I would say the most important is check-ins, like just having check-ins with your team. Got it. And you mentioned that uh, you work with Dill. So you 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 hired uh, your your teammates from Argentina, Mexico, Turkey using Deal, and I, I suppose you hired them as uh, as contractors, right? Yeah, we're doing contractors. Deal starting to roll out benefit plans and EOR plans for uh, different countries. So we're uh-huh. starting to look into that. We're starting probably going to start with Mexico and then uh-huh. expand. But yeah, there's like we wanted a platform that is constantly rolling out new features and perks. And I think mm-hmm. that was a huge benefit of deal. Got it, got it. Okay. And um, speaking about uh, this global hiring and going global, what, what, what may be the biggest challenge? Number one, what, what should companies keep in mind before going global? Just one big thing. Yeah, I would say for us, it was hiring the right project managers. Like, like I was mentioning before, having the best engineers to me in the world and designers in the world doesn't, I mean, it matters, but it's if there's no structure within the organization, it's tough. So for us, like finding the right project managers that know how to work in the velocity that we work, which is very fast, and know how to work with startups, which are kind of their own type of beast, and we're a startup in a sense, is um, was very difficult. So I think that onboarding and vetting process 
took a very long time in finding the right people that can hang around and really pull projects across the finish line that were a mix between project manager and project owner um, were really important. And that took a, that took a while. That's great. Um, so you, you also a mentor in Techstars, day one and a couple other incubators, I guess. So uh, I have a couple of questions uh, on that. So the, the first one, how how did you come you know <laughs> mentor in, in all those startup uh, incubators and you know uh well-known like brands in the vc space yeah i was just asked um <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah yeah um okay. i did some uh, talks for the mount sinai innovation partners uh back in the day like maybe three four years ago that kind of led to them asking me to do some mentorship and office hours for them um and then some other like accelerators like day one and um Techstars also saw that they asked me to do the same thing um so i do office hours for a bunch of them debut labs a little bit of antler mm -hmm. tech stars I, I do love giving back to startup founders just because i feel like i've seen a lot and i can give a lot of advice sounds great okay and 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 what advice uh, do you have for for entrepreneurs who are looking maybe for for investment during this difficult time when this VC industry is is, is sort is sort of on hold, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough time for sure. I think you have to get creative. Um, something that I'm seeing that's working decently well is kind of a mix between like angel investors and family offices. Like, I think you have to be creative with where you're going to go for the for the funding. Um, I think some VCs are kind of gouging these valuations of these startups. And so it's not as appealing right now. Um, and I think it's, <laughs> it's if you can stand up revenue and not rely on outside capital, I would start there. Like, can you turn on that one function that you've been waiting for and holding off for that can generate some revenue so that you're not fully reliant? So I would say that's first and foremost, start there. Then try to go raise for, if you need to go raise because like, you're relying on cap outside capital, try to go to family offices, angel, angel groups or syndicates. If you're like pre-seed or seed, um, even some like, uh, real estate guys who are trying to diversify their investments, um, outside real estate have been pretty decent investors that I've seen some startups go to. Um, but I, I would also say like a mix between crowdfunding and those alternatives are also good. So I've seen some people fill up half the round from real estate investors or family office and maybe a syndicate and then put the other on like Republic and then go close the round with a crowdfunding campaign and friends and family. And I think that's a great way of getting creative um, and also uh, bringing like closing the capital you need and doing what you need to do to, to, to essentially get over that hump. But then hopefully that runway gives you enough time to figure out revenue. That's that's a good one. Um, and um, being a, a mentor, you, you I guess yeah, you you talk to a lot of founders, talk to a lot of startups uh, on a daily basis. So can you can you maybe share any success stories or use cases for from from portfolio companies that you that you basically work with, uh, where going global or hiring global or building distributed teams or maybe working with uh, an outsourcing agency has led to significant growth or cost savings do you have any case like that yeah yeah a good example of like a great time to hire an agency like ours for example um was this shipping logistics company that we worked with a few years back 
Um, they essentially were a funded startup. They were at their series A and they had a bunch of engineers and a CTO and things like that, but they did not have uh, UX UI designers in-house. So they knew they wanted to bring that in-house, but you know, this was a new role for their HR team. So they needed three to six months. So that's <laughs> the work is still sitting there. So they actually brought us in to go um, do our integrated team model. So essentially do like um, uh, staff augmentation with management. We came in with a couple of designers and we pushed the projects along and essentially started the uh, design system. We fixed some onboarding issues that they had. Um, we create, uh, we pretty much like talked to customer support and figured out like what's going on with uh, conversion. And we, we worked through those problems and we set up the infrastructure. So by the time HR was ready, six months later, and they had the right UX UI designer, we had everything completed and we're in a good spot to hand it off to them and the infrastructure was set up. So I think that's a great example and a great win for them um, because we were able to fill a skills gap for the time being. And then we were able to, um, again, create that infrastructure so they could pick it up and run uh, from there. And so uh, they went on to raise their Series B and they're still doing pretty well. Awesome. And looking ahead, what do you um, what do you envision for, for the future of 1.7 technology? Are there any uh, new initiatives, services, or maybe some kind of expansion plans that you can share with, with, with our audience? Yeah, definitely. Um, we're probably going to, we're doing a few things. Um, we just launched an AI service line. So we're starting to do some embedded AI ML teams. So we're kind of leveraging two things, uh, out of the box AI that it, like the off the shelf things that are, uh, popping up left and right. There's like 2000 new applications that have come out in just the past few months. And we're starting to bring in some AI experts, which is allowing us to then dabble with some of our own products as well. So I'm bringing the AI team obviously in house and then eventually launching some of our own products. So we'll probably break up into two parts. Um, we'll have the agency side and then we're going to have a little bit more of like a studio, like building our own products, maybe like more venture studio side where we've observed some things over the past six years that are, we think are problems in the developer tools and uh, startup space that we're going to build our own solutions for. So we're pretty excited to, uh, leverage AI to build those products. And with this new AI service, we'll have those resources in house so we can launch some of our own products and potentially raise or just fund it ourselves in the meantime. So, um, we're super excited to do that because I love practicing what we preach and obviously I'm going to have our team build it, which is very exciting. So I'm excited to almost bring in our own integrated team for our R and D, uh, in-house projects and start to release and launch those. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So I guess, I guess we're good. So thanks a lot, James, for, for sharing your insights on outsourcing, international hiring stuff on fundraising and all those challenges and obstacles, uh, building distributed teams. So, um, yeah, we wish you and one seven, uh, technology, all the best in your journey. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was great chatting with you. Yeah, absolutely.